gospel reading today comes from the uh, gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today and tomorrow and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her broods under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The old rabbis used to say that the fox was the slyest and most destructive of animals. And today our image hasn't changed very much. And when Jesus calls Herod that fox, we know what he means. Between this gospel and Luke's account of the early church in the book of Acts, he deals with three different rulers named Herod. They're all members of the same family. And it's really telling that Luke really doesn't bother to distinguish between them. All were corrupt, vicious, but powerful. It's a very dangerous combination. And between them, they governed Palestine for somewhat over 80 years. The landscape that Jesus knew was dominated by their huge building projects, and I do mean huge. Among them was a great port at Caesarea Maritima, the tomb of the patriarchs in Hebron, it's still there, you can go and see it, the temple in Jerusalem, and that fortress at Masada. Herod dominated Jerusalem, even as his temple dominated the skyline. And the problem was not just Herod himself. He was part of a larger system that just kind of sucked other people into its corruption. Fear and self-interest ruled, and looking over his beloved city, Jesus mourns that he has rejected those who would have saved it. And now it is stuck with a fox like Herod. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to it. Jesus sees all the possibilities and all the problems. He knows what his nation was meant to be, he knew what it could be, and he also knew what it had become. And what do you feel at a time like that? I mean, how do we feel as we look at our own cities? You know the line from America the Beautiful? Those thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. But the reality is of cities filled with tears and scarred by drugs and violence, by ghettos and discrimination. What do you feel when you see our nation betray its ideals with selfishness, 
with bigotry, when impatience and frustration sour into vindictiveness. What do you feel when you see someone you love on a path of self-destruction? Maybe it's a member of your own family, maybe a friend, maybe somebody at work. And it may be drugs or alcohol, or it may be simply really unwise choices that take them away from who they really could be. So imagine what it's like for Jesus to watch his city take a path that leads to destruction. He sees it coming. He can read the signs. And it doesn't take clairvoyance, just realism and some political savvy, and Jesus had a lot of both. He sees coming what history will bear out. A city absolutely leveled. Its proud buildings gone. The nation itself annihilated. Hard to bear, but harder yet when you offer something that will change that. And I will tell you frankly that at this point I see our own nation at a crucial point in history. And there are times when I really want to weep over it. Because I think we're on the verge of becoming something we never wanted to be. The income gap between rich and poor is just unacceptable. And something is wrong when the average employee needs to work more than a month to earn what the CEO earns in one hour. I mean, where would the CEO be without their employees? And something's wrong when we see crucial elements of our system, such as the keep our nation who it is, when our judicial system and our press are constantly maligned and under, undermined. Something's wrong when our Congress puts party loyalty ahead of the good of the country. And frankly, something's wrong when we have a president who has a very passing acquaintance with the truth. Jesus stands weeping over Jerusalem. What does the city say? Oh, no, thank you, Jesus. We don't want to hear your warnings. We don't want to hear your offer. We like life the way it is. Don't ask us to change. You frighten us with your demands to love extravagantly, to give generously, to forgive when we're hurt, to risk our own privilege. Jesus knows that the Jerusalem that has rejected the prophets is certainly going to reject him. And he knows that the death that Herod threatens, Jerusalem's going to provide it. Yet he is not stopped. He won't take the warning to run away. He will continue to offer and speak with the last breath of his life. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. And look at the contrast. The mother hen stands up to the sly and dangerous fox. And there's a reason we describe destruction as the fox got into the hen house. It's dangerous to stand up to Herod. And it's dangerous to stand up to evil. And I mean, what can a hen do against a fox? She's just a hen. 
ox will tear her to pieces. But Herod, notwithstanding, the hen, Jesus, spreads wider wings for all to come and shelter underneath them. Safe. Yet not so safe. The one who's dared to look out over the broken lives of his people will call them to look with him at all the broken places of the world. The one who has dared to stand up to misused power will call them to stand up to misused power. And the one who has dared to confront the evil of the world will call them to confront the evil of the world. And there are saints who have done just that. From the shelter of those wings, Dietrich Bonhoeffer ventured forth to do battle with Nazi Germany. Frederick Douglass and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in this country and in the past century dared to venture forth to do battle with American racism. Archbishop Oscar Romero ventured forth to do battle with government terrorism in El Salvador, where five nuns had already given up their lives. Who will step forward to right the wrongs of our society? And who will speak against the destructive force of our own age? You know, the safety that's found under those wings is not safety from pain or from harm. And yet the promise is sure. Listen to the psalmist. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you'll find refuge. Under the wings of Jesus, the mother hen, you will find safety. For this hen will defend her chicks from all evil. And she will offer herself that her chicks may escape, and no fox will stop that. Anselm, who was Archbishop of Canterbury in the 11th century, the early days of the Norman kings of England, writes, But you too, good Jesus, are you not also a mother? Are you not a mother who, like a hen, gathers her chicks beneath her wings? And you, my soul, dead in yourself, Run under the wings of Jesus your mother and lament your griefs under his feathers. Ask that your wounds may be healed and that comforted you may live again. Christ my mother, you gather your chickens under your wings and this dead chicken of yours puts himself under those wings. Warm your chicken. Give life to your dead one. Justify your sinner. <laughs>